Hello everyone, welcome back, sort of, to the Game of Time podcast. We've kind of not forgotten to do it for a while, but been busy, I suppose, is a good excuse. Um, we did sort of four, maybe, episodes, so I'm going to go out a limb and say this is the fifth official episode of the Game of Time podcast. I'm Nevada, and I'm joined this week, this week, this time, by Gav, Harrison, and George. So, who wants to say hello? Hello. 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 It's a good collective should be, hello. Should we uh, assign a name to each voice? <laughs> I'm I'm Gavin. Uh, I'm an editor. I hang around and annoy people about commas and things. Um, yeah, saying this week that was quite generous. It's been a very long week since the last one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perhaps not weeks on this planet, but somewhere else. Exactly. Somewhere in the universe it could be counted as a week. Uh, hi, uh, I'm George. Uh, yeah, I... And uh, hi, I'm uh, Harrison. I'm the new blood to the team, uh, just coming on. Uh, so we'll see how this goes, and I'm looking forward to talking about everything gaming-wise. It's gonna be fun. Cool. Okay. So, um, guys, what you've been what you've been playing recently? I heard some some of you guys were playing Titanfall. So, if you want to talk about that for a bit? That'd be cool. Because I yeah, haven't no, um, and don't actually know anything about it apart from that. It's the second game. <laughs> yeah, it's really good fun. Um, I mean, I, ha- I haven't bought a, like a, a new game in so long, let alone like buying one like at release and just kind of jumping, jumping in. But I've had a lot of fun with it, just mm. running around, really. Super. Do you want to just briefly explain what it is to people like me who don't so, really know? So, uh, it's a multiplayer shooter uh, that basically gives you, rather than more the more the sort of realism focused ones that we've had in recent years. It gives you a you know it gives you a double jump. You're allowed you can run along walls. You can you have a grappling hook that you can be almost Spider-Man with. Uh, oh, that's enough. Hooks. You get giant robot suits to climb inside and punch people with. Always good. Um, or you uh, you can get a giant minigun too that just absolutely wrecks everything. <laughs> awesome. That's pretty good fun. Um. And it's the game that Call of Duty shamelessly ripped off uh, after the first one for their their subsequent games with the wee jetpacks and wall running and everything. Ah, uh, because yeah, didn't the first the first one didn't do very well, did it? Uh, sorry, go ahead, George. Um, it did alright. I mean, it sort of had a, a good concept, uh, but the campaign wasn't really a campaign. It was sort of more like a, a short cutscene sort of thing through the multiplayer maps but it was a good first attempt but this one definitely uh, increases the multiplayer action and gives it a lot more parkour running titan smashing uh, focus. Uh, George you want to take uh, a Yeah I mean the campaign was basically you just played like 10 multiplayer missions and then they just throw in a little cutscene before each one but they weren't actually you know nothing actually happened during the the, uh, the missions yeah, that's the thing. It seemed like right. a lot of the criticism I heard was just there was there wasn't quite enough to sustain sustain the sustain the community. And I didn't I didn't jump in and mm. play the first one until about a year after its release because uh, I just pl- I played it for the free 24 hours on Origin. And actually, had, I I was playing with a friend mm. and it was really and sort of as soon as I got into the game, I was like, wow, this movement system is incredibly fun. And just entertained myself sort of parkouring around the map. And but. No one was online sort of a year after release, which was which was sad. So I didn't re- wasn't really able to play any games. 
that mm. filled a bit on yeah. retention, I think. Um, aren't all the DLC? They're they're not going to charge for it this time around. From no, that apparently not. Well, they tried they tried to get some of the community back because they did they event they initially charged charged for all the DLC in the first one, and then I think it got to the point where the community was just dying, so they tried to restart it by releasing all the DLC for free, but kind of point past the point they were saying. Yeah. Yeah, I remember going in and um, they had that free DLC, I think like a couple of months after you bought the first game, where they like released all the maps for free and stuff like that, to try and bring people back in. But no, the, the, the second one seems to, be ha it seems to be having a lot more success. It's in a weird place where it's getting praise everywhere, but people on the internet are sort of split Agreed. between, oh no one's playing it, it's got a really bad release window which in truth it does, and then the people that are like, no, it's excellent, if we all play the game, then it, it won't have issues with the, with the community. Yeah, I think I'd seen a couple of places say that it hasn't had great sales, but it's, it's quite unusual for a game that's not done commercially well to have a second one released for it. Yeah, well, it's the EA has said that they're committed to the Titanfall franchise, so I mean, you know, mm. we could potentially see a, see a third one if... Mm. If Titanfall 2 doesn't bomb completely, but there was, I mean, sorry, there, yeah, the same. The, the release I'm, window was, yeah. was, was particularly bad for the game because you know releasing a week after Battlefield One, and I mean Call of Duty's just around the corner. It's yeah. not far off, I don't think, is it? Yeah, it's the kind of game that relies on it relies on the player base of those two games, and so not not those two games. You know what I mean? That kind of segment of the audience, and so if they're already dropping money on Battlefield and then they plan to drop another say £50 on Call of Duty later in the month they're probably not going to take a punt on an unknown yeah, game like I think middle. it would have been much better to just have like a spring release date um, would have been much nicer for it but for yeah I mean I, I think I think it sort of works into it though if you think about it because if you you know the comparison between the two games I mean for me playing Titanfall 2 I don't know if you agree George but I think it's uh, a lot better than Battlefield 1, I mean, it has a better parkour system, it has more interesting mechanics, and in this case, uh, you have six Titans to choose from as opposed to three, uh, like in the original, uh, and also with the parkour system. Uh, I mean, I, I can't compare it to Battlefield 1, I, I, uh, I wasn't able to get into the beta, but um, no, like, it's, it's definitely, because uh, I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't really played Mossberg, sort of gotten involved with Mossberg Shooter for a while, but it, feel, it feels really fresh, well... As fresh as the second game, a year later can feel. Uh, but it feels exciting, and uh, I think that's what I, what I love though is the fact that there are so many brilliant moments within the multiplayer that entertain me, even though they're not necessarily what's going on. So in a Call of Duty game, you know, a lot of the joy comes from you're in a team deathmatch, you get a kill, yay! You know, you throw a grenade, you get the kill, exciting. Mm. Moving around the map, you know, it's functional, you've got to think about it, but you don't derive a huge amount of enjoyment from it. Well, actually, I mean, the last one I played was four, so I, I, can't, I can't speak for the ones that had double jump and stuff. I, I just, um, but yeah, in Titanfall, I've found so many moments where it made you feel really cool, like the, the, the grappling hook that you can get, and there have been moments where you leap from wall to wall, you're sprinting along, and then you basically you slingshot around a corner and slide and yeah. and it's just these tiny moments that you pull off almost without thinking and you suddenly think that was that was awesome 
Cool. So I remember playing the uh, the Roman Titan, uh, the one with the sword, and just uh, going in and just battering three people with the blink and maneuvering around them and just smashing them and stuff. And when you had that awesome um, animation when they went into the doom state and you just went through them with the sword, I mean those moments you really can't make up and it's something that I think makes Titanfall 2 a little bit unique in comparison to uh, Call of Duty and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it kind of, where Battlefield wants to go for the epic set piece of, you know, sort of combined arms warfare, Titanfall gets those really like micro cinematic moments kind of down really, like it just gives you all the tools to the player to create them, you don't actually need to rely on being able to best another person in the multiplayer. You can have like a you can have fun even if you're getting completely destroyed. Yeah, as I said, yeah, there's something. So go on, Gavin. No, go on, Gavin. Uh, I was just gonna say there's something to be said for just making like the, the very smallest building blocks of your game enjoyable, rather than being something you have to like struggle through to get to shooting people. Like I mean, in COD, if I'm running around on a map. It's just boring. It's like it's dead space in between me spawning and me finding someone to shoot at. So I guess if you if you have a fun way to shift about, probably a better time. Yeah, because at the, the start of the campaign, which I have yet to dive into uh, properly, I've just done. There's a there's a gauntlet, uh, which is really similar to the the kill house that you play in the the Call of Duty 4 tutorial, uh, and it's basically just this obstacle course. Uh, that you've got to run through, and it times you. Um, but I just spent so long just trying to get a great time, time in because I was just having so much fun with the movement. Like, I just, I guess, yeah, I started obsessing over it, and I haven't actually gotten any further in the campaign because I'm still trying to get my time down. Yeah, I agree with you, George. I remember, um, I think I did that like six or seven times just to try and get that the perfect time of like 37. Uh, Seconds or whatever, but I yeah, I, can't, I can't. I can't. Like, I got, I got to thirty-nine, but I was like, that those extra, oh, those extra so two seconds though. just feel like a year. I was gonna say it sounds a lot more, like you said before, cinematic compared to a lot of other shooters that are coming out at this time. Some of the bits you said reminded me a bit of. Um, I recently finished finally playing through uh, Uncharted Four, and some of the bits that are not set pieces, but where you like, like you grappling hook and swing across a across of the like a precipice shoot a guy jump on top of another one and like just those really awesome moments where you just think that was cool wasn't it <laughs> like regardless of anything else that's happening you go that was, that was that was pretty badass yeah i think that that's just, like those that's action movie moments like it's that... just so kinetic and you're always moving like you're always moving it's just constantly exciting and the, because the movement is exciting you're always having fun so on a battlefield, I guess battlefield is like cool. I've, I've spawned. I guess it's a you know a hike to get to point B. Whereas in Titanfall, it's like yeah. oh I've spawned. Oh there's a wall over there. I can run and you know I can jump off that wall, slingshot round the corner, slide under the slide under the doorway, and then perhaps double jump through the window. And, it's, and like suddenly just getting to the fight is almost is as fun as the fight itself. You see, you've, you've pretty, yeah, I totally agree with that. You've pretty much sold me on it because I, I really enjoy Destiny. I play Destiny probably far more than I should, and um, just the I can't get on with normal shooters, especially after playing Destiny for so long. Because I just I like just the, the the breadth of movement and the the choice of things to do in at any given moment. Like I find that quite a lot of other shooters are quite restrictive compared to like like in Destiny, I can teleport through a past a building switch between 
two different weapons and then shoot off a giant space laser or something. It just it, it has more um I suppose it's more of a three dimensional sort of space you're moving in rather than just forwards and to side side to side. So you're moving up and down more. Yeah, that's the thing it's really exciting. I mean that's the one thing I wish they would change is just to improve the move the movement slightly, is that the the grappling hook that you have, it's um it's like a perk, sort of rather than being a default default loadout. It is, yeah. And so Yeah. It's level four. So I think I because I I love it so much. While it's perhaps you know, it's not perhaps the best uh, upgrade I could be using. I just so I yeah. I just can't use any of the others because suddenly as soon as I don't have the grappling hook, it suddenly feels like I'm glued to, like not glued to the ground, but I've lost that extra kind of axis of movement, Mobility. and so I can never use anything else. Yeah. Uh, that sounds really good. Yeah, I don't know how. Uh, yeah, oh, sounds really good. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. Um, I think what it does is sort of it introduces this new vertical movement uh, to like a ground-based shooter, which just increases the options that you can do. I mean, you can, as you said, you can wall run around corners, then uh, crouch, then crouch, and then shoot someone, or you can use the hook uh, to get to those places you couldn't get to in like Call of Duty or other titles. And the new Titans also um, really mix it up with the Ronin being the sword uh, fighting class and the really cool cinematics and stuff like that. So it's a really good improvement, I think. Yeah, I think that's the thing because in the, the first one you had three like default, you had kind of three sizes of Titan, but then each one could be customized. Yeah, yeah. Where in this one they're just giving you three set classes with set weapons and abilities that you can change very slightly. Yeah. But I think it's almost better because you can. It makes it slightly easier to immediately evaluate the threat. So if you run round a corner uh, and you're Titan and you see something in front and you see an enemy Titan in front of you, you immediately know like what that Titan is. You know, you know if it's a if it's a Ronin, you know, oh, I don't want to get near him because he's got a sword, or he's carrying a massive minigun, and you're like, I'm going to back off because he's a bit heavy, which I think is good. Yeah. I mean it. Um, I mean it sort of makes the class, you know, the old sort of trinity of uh, tank, sort of DPS and healing. Mm. It's sort of even though we don't really have a healing class in Titanfall 2, it sort of makes each role a little bit more apparent. So you know, the big heavy Gatling gun as the tank, the Ronin as sort of the rogue or the really agile class that can land sort of critical hits, and sort of the you know the 30 millimeter cannon, so sort of being that precision based. Sniper class, I'd say. Yeah, that's yeah. The, the Titans are definitely like really varied, which is which is great. I think my only gripe, like I think probably my only gripe would be they don't they don't do a great job of explaining the system. Like they throw a lot of information at you, more just in the multiplayer menus and everything, but don't like so it's kind of and it's not super intuitive as to you know how you change upgrades on your Titan or what. Like you can change faction, but I have I have no idea what that actually does. Uh, and there are lots of banners and customizable stuff. And I think it takes a, mm. it takes a bit of getting used to. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but in the first one, I remember it sort of had a more of a uh, tutorial around the multiplayer. Um, in that, like, it sort of introduced you to the movement, introduced you to the titans, and then introduced you to sort of the options of how to use it. 
Well, as I, I agree with you, George, and that this one sort of thrusts you into combat, and that you're expected to really pick it up very quickly and know sort of what each Titan does. And if you don't, you sort of get wrecked very easily. So. Yeah, apparently the the Titans you get in multiplayer, they're all the same as the ones you, you play in the campaign. So, I, I mean, I think campaign might serve, does, might serve as a tutorial, but it's kind of on me because I, I haven't actually jumped into that yet. But well, actually, that was one thing I really liked, is that because the movement systems are identical, so much of the, the skill that you, can that you develop in single player can immediately just be transferred into multiplayer. See, that's quite good because I often find used to find that like when playing shooters, like the multiplayer is a whole different like kettle of fish. There's entirely different like tactics and movement and stuff that you'd be able to have to use. You have to basically relearn a second game compared to the single player because the because it's all a lot of it was based on how the AI would react rather than how you would behave. So that sounds really yeah. That's that that's the thing which you really learn nice. these sort yeah, of like can, if you're great at the movement in single player it just transfers seamlessly into multiplayer and you'll, you'll have a great time. Cool. Yeah, the integration is really good. It's really good. And also, I think the, the game includes... Um, some of the modes include uh, AI. So, I mean, they even, so even if you're, you, know, you, you can't kill a, a human control player to save your life, you can at least run around the map contributing to the team by killing the opposing AI. Well, that's quite nice. It's almost like a transition then, isn't it, between... Like full-on multiplayer and full-on. Yeah, because the the main sort of I guess the sort of flagship mode is is called attrition, and basically, it's the uh, it's a, even, mo most games are only five five versus five, but they yeah yeah uh, five yeah five and they kind of five. but they fill it out by having so in attrition it's just you know, it's basically just team deathmatch, but you have a whole lot of AI allies uh, who aren't they're not pilots they're just kind of foot soldiers that run around the map. They're pretty mm. useless, but they kind of fill out the they fill out the battlefield and kind of make it make it feel kind of full and kind of hectic. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I agree with um, George in that the AI really does a good job of making you feel uh, like you're not a very good like if you're not doing that well, you're still contributing to the team even if it's you know going around just killing these AIs. I mean, you can still end up being like second or third in the team which I find is really good, I mean in Call of Duty and stuff you need to have like a lot, you need to be a pro and have a lot of kills to be on those upper echelons of like rankings, but in Titanfall 2 I mean you can be like second or third and just kill the AI. Yeah, I think, I think there's, there's one weird thing they've done with the multiplayer is that, I think, I think which I think is hurting it slightly because I, I have struggled at times to find games, but the, the way they've laid out all of the the game modes in the menu, um, there are like you have to they, they have a sort of four two by four row of all the game modes, uh, but there's a really like a, with a small arrow to the far right, and then you have to just click the arrow to get to like the three that aren't on the screen, but it's not super obvious, and so loads of people yeah. don't find those last three game modes. Yeah, like it, it wasn't until my so second or third like time playing, I was like, "Oh, hang on, there's there's an arrow there." Yeah, it's only extra three they could have. Yeah, I know. I mean, like people, I've seen photos of people just being like, "This is what they should have done," and just had three rows. And and, yeah. and then like, and it is having an effect because I've tried to uh, whenever the, whatever games cause they they do they at least cycle them round, so <clears throat> it's different ones. Mm. 
on the front page, but whichever three are in the second page, it's really difficult to find the game. Maybe they'll patch it or something, and it'll they'll move the delay out or something like that. Because they've always got that option. Yeah, no. Hopefully they'll uh, they'll be fixed the patch. Um, yeah. The only other thing I would say is there's a slight balance issue with um, some of the perks, which are there's loads and loads of well, I think there's three items which basically uh, they're like sonar items, and it's the one's like a little knife thing that you throw, and it emits a sonar and basically reveals all the players within a certain area. Uh, and then there's a perk which basically reveals all the players on the map. And then there's a titan that can do a similar thing and send out a pulse and reveal the players. Yeah. And that's the thing, it's yeah. so... it's almost too good. And the fact that you can have an entire team with... Like, they can have their titan that reveals the map, plus their, their little, like, map-revealing knife thing, plus a... I think it's called like a boost, which is a thing, kind of, almost kind of like a kill, kill streak thing that reveals the whole map. Mm. Uh, they can kind of just steamroll because they have like they have so much information that they know where you are at all times. And it, uh. it kind of and that's the thing. It is a slight. It's a bit of an issue when you can teams just steamroll because they, they know, know exactly, exactly where you are at all, all times. Time, so they just have one person trigger it. You know, trigger their map reveal for the next person. I mean, I agree with you, uh, George, in that I don't know if you found this playing your multiplayer games, but using the radar trick that you just described, as well as like having multiple titans, like two versus one, I mean, it's very difficult to win because you have those sort of directional shields that only face in one direction. So, sort of, it's hard to defend like your back against those sort of shots. So, if you have people ganging up with the radar in addition, it becomes a little bit unwinnable. Overpowered. Yeah, like it, it can be sort of annoying. Mm. Like you, you jump in and then, like, sometimes you're, yeah, you'll just run in and someone will just shoot you and you'll see that they could they couldn't even see like they're just waiting for you around the corner because they they saw you spawn with the with the sonar. Um, I know that's yeah that's the thing also because not every, every people get titans at a different point throughout the game. So you basically have a little bar in the in the screen that that tracks when you can call in a titan. Uh, and doing playing the objective fills it up. Um, get, yeah, getting kills uh, fills it up, and then you can call it in. Uh, but there's almost there's what I, there's something I quite like is there's almost mm. uh, sort of a strategy to when you, when you call it in, uh, and you can you basically get to point on the map just to where the titan falls. Um, so sometimes you'll see like you'll the enemy yeah. team will end up with like two titans, and no one on your team has a titan. Uh, and so often I just wait for someone else to get their mm -hmm. titan in, and then once the enemy team are engaging the, my my teammate, I'll just call in my titan behind the other two, and then you can kind of get them up. Um, yeah. Or sometimes you can even call your titan down on top of enemy titans. I've had yeah. yeah it's where you, you call in a oh, titan, really? you run into a building so that the enemy follows you and just stands outside the building trying to shoot you, and then your titan just crushes them. Mm. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> you know, speaking of Titanfall, right? <clears throat> I've not said anything in a while, so I feel the need to speak up, or otherwise people will forget I'm here. So, <laughs> I one of the things I have pretty exacting standards for my for my giant robots, right? I'm a I'm a giant robot enthusiast, and I honestly think that the Titans look minging. They've got awful designs. They're hideous. 
that's my problem. Yeah, that I, I I wouldn't say that they're super like they're not like Gundam the Star Titans. Yeah, they're kind of they're they're a bit blobby. Uh, yeah, they're either they're either blobby or I, I think I don't mind the blobby ones so much, but I just I think it's interesting conceptually the idea of like quite a lanky robot, but like I think the thin ones just look really really weird. Yeah, gotta mean. I agree. Yeah, as, yeah. Sorry, as I was gonna say, I think, like I said earlier about how you were able to distinguish the Titan is, a lot of that is down to the weapon that you can see the Titan holding, because there are, rather yeah, than the actual sort of outline of the Titan. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Gavin in that, um, like the Titan designs itself sort of leaving question a bit. I mean, the Ronin, for example, I mean, you'd expect a robot like with a massive, you know, um, sword basically to have a lot more armor plating and stuff like that. So it seems a bit off that that class doesn't have a lot of armoring, and some of them do look a bit uh, off-putting uh, as, as opposed to some of the other ones, like in appearance. Yeah, in my head they were, I had them looking like the armored core Max, rather than like the extreme of them looking a bit like Gundam yeah. Max, but that sort of like more sort of smooth designs I suppose they're a bit they're like blockier than I was like expecting but maybe that just ties into the world a bit more inverted commas, but they kind of they have this that they yeah they, they the way yeah, they design suggests like kind of rather than sleek or like you know stylistic decisions they're just kind of utilitarian they look yeah. very practical yeah yeah it's kind of a concession that's been made to the uh, you know the, the very military design I think is that I don't, because I, I mean, I, I don't feel like they have much presence as like a marketing tool. Because it's not like you look at something, it's like, wow, that's a that's a Titan, capital T, wow. <laughs> but it, it does it does fit thematically. But yeah, then oh yeah, they're not distinctive in the same way that you could market a transformer or a, a Gundam or what you like. That that's a that's a giant robot. Yeah. I know. Mm. Yeah. Th- they look a bit more like the uh, Lost Planet mechs, actually. Oh, no, you mentioned that it. Sort yeah, of yeah like, they do, actually, I agree. They're like... We've had to sort of, like, scrap, scrap together metal and stick stuff together, and, like, because we need them as many as we can as quickly as yeah, possible, you mean, actually, sort just, of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a radical departure. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys played uh, Mech Assault back on the uh, original Xbox. But I mean, those sort of looked a lot more chunkier and a lot more, um, like, better designed, even though it was an Xbox game. Mm. I used to play Mech Warrior when I was younger, and there's a big variety of mechs in that game. There's so many, yeah. Mech Warrior's quality. That was a good game, really like that was. Right, that's approaching, like, half yeah, an hour be... on Yeah, I was about to say, like, I feel like, <laughs> I think I've just, I've just been... It is, right. Yeah, let's talk about something else. <laughs> it was all... Very interesting, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about something else, right? I've been playing Civ Six for the past—I would say past two days—but been playing it quite a lot for the past two days. So enough to talk about it. Have any of you guys been playing? Uh, Civ I have 6 not, but I have am incredibly any jealous. knowledge of. It? Uh, I've got into Civ Five about a year ago um, with like a small group of friends and just play it a mm. lot, uh, but have not picked up Civ Six. How is it? Please tell me everything. My, my current advice is wait to buy it because a lot of it is a bit um, 
it's a bit a bit frustrating at times. It's it's good. It, it I, I it's an, it's a good game. It's a lot more complicated than Civ Five. There are a lot more bits of it that I still don't properly understand how they work. Um, even after I must have played it for nearly 15, 20 hours, I think now. And yeah, there are, there are good amounts of it that I'm like, like for example, the culture victory. Basically, for a culture victory, you have a lot of culture and you get Taurus. How you get Taurus is not clear. What your Taurus value is is not clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just seems to happen. All the menus. Yeah. And, and I always feel like I'm, I'm missing some sort of tooltip or menu that explains some things, but I don't think I am, I just don't think it's there yet. Um, it was sort of a bit like that in Civ Five, though, wasn't it? I mean, um, like the diplomacy option and stuff like that what, like, was integrated really weirdly and stuff. Yeah, diplomacy has always been a bit of a struggle, but they don't actually have a diplomacy victory in this one at all, so oh, is there not? it's less of a... Oh. no. Is not at all at the moment. Well, it might be added in later expansions, but no. There's what we've we got. We've got tech, culture, religion, domination, okay. and score. Obviously, um, has has religion been improved? Like in how you like spread the religion from the other games? Um, see, I never played anything but base Civ Five, um, and I know it was added later on as an expansion. But I quite like the religion in it. In this one, you can. So at a certain point, after fulfilling some specific requirements, you can make your own religion. So you can make like an established one, or you can make your own up, which is quite funny. Calling it all sorts of weird stuff. I had one called Mustaches today because <laughs> the logo sort of looked like two mustaches together. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, but it's yeah, it's quite good. So you've got uh, missionaries and apostles that you can sort of send out to try and convert other civilizations. And you've got uh, inquisitors that you can keep in your own place, and they erase other uh, religions when they appear. Which is, I think, it works okay. How much do the um, um, like? So when you gain a religion, so how much does it affect, like, I guess your game strategy? Because I think I found in Civ Six, the religions were just kind of nice bonuses, but weren't they were never essential. Like you could you could play the game and have and be a perfectly strong civilization, but you didn't like you didn't need a religion. I th- yeah, you could have like a full military like uh, thing. Like yeah. it was all religions were always I think that's... nice bonuses that were sort of useful. Yeah, I think that's sort of true still, um, but because this civilization has almost two tech trees, it's got the regular tech tree and then it's got a civics tree, which lets you set certain elements of your government uh, every time you upgrade it, which are things like um, you get more. Uh, you, get just, you can just get points for great people you can reduce the cost of buildings by 50% but you can only have I think you start off with being able to have two in and then it goes up to having to have four and then eventually you can have like six or eight or something and there's there's absolutely loads of them so there's whatever your game strategy is there's like civics that will fit that mould and that your culture is what makes that upgrade whereas science is just your science to make that upgrade which is as a casual observer of Civ Six since it's come out to completely hijack the conversation. Go for it. I've noticed because I, I know that you've Nevada, you've played um, Endless Legend as well. Yeah. 
and I've noticed that the city mechanics in Civ 6 seem very, very influenced by that game. I just the, the way they all pan out. Yeah. Or at least, but some of the some of the some of the things like you know the the expanding into different districts and cities being generally more numerous. Yeah. Than in Civ 5. Yeah, because in Civ 5 you had a, like a global happiness. In this, happiness is tied to a specific city, so there's nothing. There's no loss from just making a million cities, basically, and expanding as much as you can. There's there's very little drawbacks to that, apart from obviously gold income, but that's pretty much the only real drawback to making loads of cities. Um, but the other other main thing that I haven't said is the unstacking of cities, which has been talked about quite a lot from when they were pre-released and stuff. So that's basically that you make uh, previously everything was just held within your capital city, and you just sort of expanded on tiles and then you allocated workers to each one but now you instead of doing that you have districts for different things you have like a merchant district the science district one for uh, entertainment one for production one for military and they take up a specific hex and then only buildings of that type can be built in that hex so you have to build that first and the same is with uh, wonders as well so you have an entire hex that's taken up by the pyramids or um, the hanging gardens so it it makes and also each of the each of the districts get sort of a bonus depending on what they're adjacent to. So I might be wrong on this, but um, science district you get more science when you're near mountains. For the religious district, you get more if you buy woods, forests. I think I think that's right. But anyway, yeah, there's each district you get a bonus for being near something else, which makes it you- makes your city planning more in depth. So you, instead of just thinking. I'll just put it here because it has good resources. I'll put it here because it's near some mountains and I'll get bonus science. Or I'm by a river, so I'll get bonuses from the river. Yeah, go on. You were going to say something. Sorry. Have you uh, noticed, like, in your gameplay uh, playthrough at the moment, is there any, like, uh, overpowered units or, like, overpowered factions? or? I've... Uh, not that I can tell so far. A friend of mine said that Germany is overpowered because they can... Because of how they, uh, how their production works. Because you can have loads of cities and no drawback to it. They can make, they can produce lots very quickly. Um, but I haven't really noticed anything so far that's been massively overpowered. I've only played as four civilizations though. Which one? There's twelve. I've played as Gorgo for the Greeks. Played uh oh god <laughs> I try to think what to play as played as the Scythians I've played as the I think I might have played as England in one game and I think I've, I haven't tried uh, and Japan that was it and they're all varied they're all they're all really different in the classic sort of Civ way of everything everybody plays really differently and has a different style um, which is really good but there are still there's still some bits that quite frustrate me from Civ Six I'm like. Why have you not included that? Like when you finish production on on a city, you don't know what you've just finished. So if you've got like ten cities, you're like, what was I building last here? What, what was I? What was I planned to do next? Because you can't queue production either. It just tells you that there's a space to now produce something else. It doesn't tell you what you yeah, did that's, before. That's a bit annoying. Yeah, and there's no um, there's no queuing system, so you can't like queue. Right, I want to build these five things in the next sort of twenty turns. You have to every time something finishes, you have to go back to your city, choose a new thing to be built, and if that's happen- if you've got producing one thing a turn on ten cities, it's really annoying. 
hopefully in the next patch they'll be able to like fix that to have like a times five button. Like, I, yeah, it, building I mean, like Civ Five had that. I think every Civ has pretty much had that that I've played. I, was, anyway. I, I never realised that you could uh, you could queue production. I just I don't know. Like what? I think it's because I've had Civ games where <laughs> like I'll be just I'll like I'll be doing nothing but clicking next turn for you know like twenty turns. So like as soon as yeah. I get to make a decision, I'm like I'm like yay. Yeah, oh, that's true. I think there's a lot less of that sort of like oh, just building stuff, waiting for stuff to happen. There's a bit at the beginning where you're just sort of getting going, but then after that, there's always things that you can be doing because there's like there's religion, and then you can get eventually you can get like archaeologists, and you can do spies now. There's there's so much to do in oh, it. Oh yeah, so I saw that at uh, all times. Seems like they've been overhauled. It seems like there's loads more that you can do with spies. Now. Yeah. I haven't even touched that yet. I haven't even recruited a spy in any of my games, so I have no idea how that is <laughs> so far. So you have to but actively like, recruit them now. It's no longer just you have reached the renaissance. Yeah, you have a, spy. yeah, you have a, you have a certain allotment of spies that you can have in your empire. So, and then re- researching certain techs or civics uh, lets you have more. I think you have to tell us what it's like when you've done the spy system and stuff. I will, I will. Like I said, I'm, I'm still trying to get to grips with parts of it, but there is still bits of it that I, that just immediately have just frustrated me because there's there's just bits that aren't explained well about what things do. There's bits that are not sort of just that are just frustrating, like the not be able to queue stuff and constantly having to try and remember what you've previously built. Overall, it is really good. It's I think it's probably one of the I don't know I don't know if it's the best base Civ game I've played, but I think it's probably the best sort of pre any patches. Like, there's just so much choice. Like you sit down, and you you start, you build your first city, and you're like, right, what on earth am I going to do? <laughs> there's like there's so much choice. Once you've built like those first two buildings, you're like, right, I've explored a bit. I, I could I could do anything now. I could make a religion. I could start like trying to get trying to do trade routes I could start doing try to be doing loads of science I could so as you say it's better than Civ 5 release I think so yeah without like loads of the like the patches that made sort of made things a bit, bit easier and some of the expansions that added extra stuff there's there's just so much breadth of things to do it's, it's slightly overwhelming at times especially when you first start you're like there's a lot to do I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> Yeah, but I I think I've it's heard a lot good. of complaints about the AI though from a friend of mine who plays the game a lot. He is quite a quite a heavy strategy game player, but he has said it's a very it's very weak. I I haven't really noticed too much because I've never really thought the AI is ever that good. Admittedly, I don't I don't often play strategy games on anything more than like whatever's above normal, like slightly above normal, sort of card or. I think it's like chieftain on civilization games, um, mm. but I haven't had uh, a major I think print, issue with it. Prince is normal because I think above above Prince, then it just it, it lets the AI cheat. Yeah, pretty much. But that's kind of always how it's been, and it's always how it is in all those sort of games. But I know I think it's all it's kind of a shame. I mean, I know nothing about AI programming, but it gets to a point where you can't improve them anymore. You just simply have to give them, you know, like on the high, mm. yeah, because on the higher difficulties they start <clears> with. You know the first level of text researched and certain things. I think they just get like sort of buffs all around. So you know they'll start off like a couple of tiers higher, or they'll have like elite units while you have sort of basic infantry. Yeah, 
I was just going to ask for a new coming player um, to say has no like experience with this franchise before. Would you say there's like a good tutorial or like a good learning curve in order to get into Civilization Six if you're a new player? See, there is there's a tutorial when you start it. There's well, there's technically two tutorials. There's one that's for if you've never played a Civilization game, which I haven't touched. I assume it's adequate. And there's one that's if you've played other Civilization games in general, so Civ Five or anything below that, which I'd say is not very good. Uh, it doesn't explain things well as to what stuff is. It doesn't tell you... There's so much stuff left out of how does this work, especially around the religion stuff. Because like when you... For religion, you go and take like a missionary or apostle to another city, you activate them, and then they a number of religion in that city but it never tells you how much you need for that to happen to convert the city it doesn't tell you what's really going on there. there's no there's, there's lots of hidden numbers in some of it so it's just, you just have to have faith pretty much yeah <laughs> yeah um apparently the community is writing a like uh, a manual for it I think I saw on Kotaku last week which is probably going to be a lot more detailed than anything that Firaxis will put together. So yeah, when I because I, I jumped into Civ Five and I was completely new, um, but I, I I play with friends who are sort of veterans of the game and sort of way above my level. But basically every game uh, on Steam there's been like a really comprehensive, really well put out manual for like every single Civ Five Civ. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully really Civ, Civ, uh, Civ Six will get something similar. Yeah, no, we definitely will, definitely will. Like it's a, yeah, it's a great community. Yeah. But yeah, I think cause I jumped in after, uh, like I bought the what's it, the complete edition. So it had, yeah, it had so. all the DLC, had all of the, had yeah, had all the DLC, had all the maps. Mm. So I never really, I never saw Civ Five, you know, in its in its launch state. Yeah. I think that's kind of what I'm waiting to do with Civ Six. I'm just gonna wait till everything's released and then. I think, yeah, give it a till they've had a few I mean, patches to just sort of tidy some of the things up and or maybe wait to the first expansion so it properly fixes some stuff. I don't know. Speaking of speaking of waiting for a sieve, my thoughts on the game just now, I don't have it, can be summarised with one short sentence that's also a question, which is fifty fucking pounds question mark. I feel like that's a that that's a that's a rabbit hole that I think it's worth fifty pounds. Speaking of new expansions, I heard there's a new expansion for the Old Republic. Yeah, Ooh, segue. segue. <laughs> Not as interesting as a segue, unfortunately. Uh, th so the new expansion for uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, that's the MMO. In case anybody was uh, wondering, it's uh, Knights of the Fallen Empire. So it continues after the conclusion of the Fallen Empire, uh, where you basically. Um, Stop a massive Dark Lord, uh, Palpatine style, and uh, this sort of picks up uh, with the origin story of one of our main uh, villains. Um, so it's said also to coincide in December with uh, Swartor 5.0. Uh, so this is sort of set to introduce some new changes. Um, I think each class gets a new main ability at level 52. Hmm. Um, so bounty hunters get like a sort of barrage where they unleash you know flamethrowers and rockets and stuff. Uh, agents get uh, it's like a really new sniper blast. Um, so all the classes sort of get a uh, an update to all their skills, which is going to be really good to 
transfer again. Um, but yeah, it's uh, 5.0. We'll see how it goes. But I think that I had. To, I just wanted to ask the because I, I absolutely love Star Wars and I've always loved the Knights of the Republic trailers. Yeah. But the, the recent ones, I've been like, I have no idea what any of that is. I mean, because I played, I played the old Republic, uh, what Knights of the old Republic RPG. But the the recent trailers where with that showed uh, the Fallen Empire. Who are the Fallen Empire? Yeah, basically they're um, the main enemy of uh, the original game, Star Wars The Old Republic, is uh, like an old emperor, sort of like uh, the Palpatine of that era. And basically what he does is he consumes planets and like uh, gets all the force from those planets. And so basically what he did is he played off the Republic and the Empire against each other to weaken them both. And this fallen empire is sort of his new empire that he's brought in to crush them. So it's okay, sort of so a they're continuation. Like a, they're not the Sith. It's not the Republic. They're a they're a third faction. Yeah, yeah, they're a third sort of neutral uh, faction. That instead of seeing it as uh, both like a light side and a dark side, they more see it as like a tool um, rather than in shades of light and dark. Yeah. It means they need to write less story content as well because they don't need to do one from either side. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, I got Efficiency. to be. Yeah, I've got to admit with you, Gavin, I mean, uh, what enticed me about the original uh, Star Wars The Old Republic was the class story, so, you know, the class story of the bounty hunter working his way up through the ranks, uh, the Imperial Agent, and um, the Sith Warrior sort of becoming that ultimate uh, lightsaber-wielding warrior, so it's tough to see these class stories sort of fade away into this, like, sort of everyone is the outland, or everyone is, like, the hero, rather mm -hmm. than the specific class stories, which... I mean, I find it's a little bit lazy on their part, um, and it becomes improbable later when you have, like, you know, a bad hunter with a, a blaster pistol going up against, you know, the uh, best force user in the galaxy, pretty much. Mm. Are the stories good in Old Republic? Just wondering. Yeah, I mean, um, everyone sort of raves about, like, the Imperial Agent story, and I think if you're looking for, like, a good story with twists and turns, Mm. That's probably your best bet because I think it has four different endings uh, you can oh, choose right. from, decided on like how you did the different chapters. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd say you know if you're not looking to pay money and you don't want to do the subscription, uh, like a free to play, mm. you can play the uh, one levels one to fifty for free uh, on each of the uh, class stories. Because oh, I recently tried um, Final Fantasy fourteen online. And people had talked about how the story was good in that, and it was oh, it was just bullshit, just absolute bullshit. It got to a point where I think I, I just didn't, I just skipped all the cutscenes and all the dialogue. I was just like, this is nonsense. This is not useful story stuff. And it's, I was just wondering because people that I, it was like, it's, so it's definitely like something that's worth experiencing. It's not just like fluff, basically, just. Like go and do this, oh. and then oh no, there's bad people. They're they're not good. You should, you should stop them. It's like an actual it's a Final story. Fantasy game. So there's something about the evil people. <laughs> and probably try to steal some crystals. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Always oh, with the fucking crystals. Yeah, always See, those crystals, man. Generally, I quite I enjoy sort of the melodrama of a Final Fantasy game, but this was just like it was just poorly like executed and written. And I was just like. 
I don't care about any of these characters, they're all annoying, <laughs> none of it's interesting, I just want to level up and just, <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe that's, that's more of a difficulty of MMOs trying to make you feel like a valued person in the world when every fucker's off doing the same thing as you. <laughs> I really liked a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen. I thought it had like a really good like like the gameplay had a good tone and I liked the world and everything, but yeah, the story was basically just complete skippable guff. Yeah. Yeah, I think the world is, is good, the world building is good, but the story is is not it's just not What is it. I've I've never played a Final Fantasy game and no next to nothing other than there are, there are at least fifteen of them. <laughs> at least crystals. <laughs> What? What? Yeah. Like, what's the what's the what's the plot? Are they all related, or they're all usually quite quite varied and different? Yeah. In 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 setting and uh, characters and like sometimes like technology stuff, but like, generally there's there's usually bad people. Mm. No. Oh, so kind, one kind of. A... No. It, some of them do in a weird way, and then but they don't share a story. Like, so it's, it's not like a persistent world to the sets games in. It's just no, no. There's like there's there's like a setting for each one, and it all always has a name. But it like from the first one through to like now, they're developing in different settings. Yeah, so you have like um, thirteen two, like Lightning Returns, so that are set in the same world. Um, yeah, and like ten and ten. Yeah, two. but every numbered in numbered instance is set in a different place. If you think of it like so they sort of have their own like so they sort of have their own like um individual stories that tie into like a greater whole. No, no, no. So you could play Final Fantasy two, have an entirely different story world characters to what you'd play in six. They're entirely different. They're just only thing that they're linked by is the name and sometimes the people involved in making it. And generally, like some of the tone and, and some plot contrivances tend to reoccur, like crystals. Yeah, there are a few characters who reappear, like Sid, oh yeah, character up. names are like reused names, and stuff. Yeah. And monsters are similar, so it's like um, a bit like some of the Dragon Quest games, like yeah, they they reuse sort of a lot of some of the enemies and stuff, but they're actually not related in any way. If you do, but for to get an idea of what a story is, they're like. They're always some sort of like grand epic, basically, with like twists and turns. Okay. And if you think of like a like a, a, a like a site like a fantasy trilogy or something, they're like that sort of epic scale of things happening. Okay, so sort of like big fantasy opera. Yeah, pretty much. With lots of spiky hair. Yeah, yeah. And the quality can vary. Yeah. Of the story. Yeah, that's true. To say the least. <laughs> Which one are you talking about when you say, yeah, they do? Oh, I, d I, I don't know. No idea. Some of them. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't think that 13 needed three games. I really don't um, think it needed three games. <laughs> yeah, I'd argue it need, didn't really need much of one game. Wait, that, what? There are three games. There's three Final Fantasy 13s. Yeah. There's Final Fantasy 13, 13... Lightning, no, 13 2 yeah. and then 13 Lightning Returns. And they're all and so they're they, all telling They went to the Battlefield School accounting them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> basically, basically the guy who, who makes, is it the writer or the character designer or something? Something like that. I, I, I don't know. 
he he really likes the main character of those games, and so he was able to swing three of them. Mm. Like he made lightning, and he was like, "Oh, I, I love this, I love this this video game, lassie." <laughs> and now now there's now there's like 120 hours of video game. Yeah, at least. About but the second one barely even involves it. It's just like, what if you, you're like obsessed with this person who appears in it for like maybe an hour. <laughs> you see a couple yeah. of 20 second cutscenes. Oh, tense. 13 to an arduous experience that I gave up with for about 12 hours. At least, I'd say the gameplay was better in 13-2. Oh, yeah. But that was mostly just because the Final Fantasy 13, I, I'm not joking when I say this, you don't get access to, like, the entire game's, like, repertoire of attacks and systems until seven to nine hours in. And for most of those seven to nine hours, you might as well be playing the game on auto. Like it has a button that does that. Yeah, pretty much because you you just you just sort of walking forwards, pretty much, and you occasionally have a battle along the way. There's no divergence. But I suppose that, in some regards, though, that helps helps sort of with the pacing of like the boss fights and stuff because they always felt really challenging. Yeah. I don't know. I quite liked Thirteen, and I quite like Lightning as a character. To be honest, by one of the the better sort of uh, leads. Uh, one of the better, stronger female leads, yeah. I agree with you on that. Yeah. Well, just in general, in oh. Final Fantasy games, quite often the lead character is a bit fucking irritating. And at least Lightning has, like, a goal. She knows what she wants, she's going to go fucking get it. Some of the leads in Final Fantasy games are like, oh, fucking pull your shit together, alright? <laughs> You're being ridiculous. Uh, Spiky-haired emo boys. Oh, sorry, go again. No, I was just making a slight comment. <laughs> oh, uh, Gavin, do you want to talk about uh, Persona 2? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We put that on the agenda. We did. We, we missed um, it off nearly. <laughs> basically, I didn't have anything recent to talk about, so the best thing I could offer was a game from eight years ago, which I've been playing. I've been playing Persona Four. Speaking of games, actually, that do a big series and vary a bit, but keep a lot of thematic things similar. The entire, um, like Shin Megami Tensei meta series is basically like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. And and so I've been playing through Persona 4 on the PlayStation 2. Um, very a, late release. It's a fighting game, PS2. right? It's not a game about just making personas. No, it's in well, it's an RPG. There oh, was okay. a fighting game based on it released later for some reason. Yeah. But yeah. The Persona games are like one half sort of life sim and one half dungeon crawler. Yeah, especially in Persona 4. Mm. Um, well, obviously Persona 3 was quite like that as well, but. Yeah. They, they did a lot in Persona 3 and 4. I think the first two are a bit different and a bit Yeah, I have not strange. touched them, to be honest. All the old... Uh, partially due to not being translated for years and years, but all of the old Shin Megami Tensei games are, are just weird. Yeah. But yeah, Persona's kind of... generally a bit saner. But yeah, it, it's half... half like this... this high school... like... Yeah, like a life simulator and half this thing where you go into a television and fight monsters. Sounds like a classic gem that I should have played on the PS2. It's such a good game. It's one of my yeah, all-time favorites. How does it hold up playing it? Yeah, um, so since it's it's a PS2 game, but really 2008, it was a really late release. It's not really mm. that old for a PS2 game. Okay. But so I'd say it, it does. It holds up pretty well. The only the criticism that's raised a lot is, right, this is a game that is... Because I've been thinking about this a lot. This is a game that's, like, at least 90 hours long. Mm. 
and a lot of that time you spend in pretty repetitive dungeons. Like the dungeon crawling is quite kind of copy paste, quite standard. Yeah, I really hope they improve upon that in Persona Five. More of the dungeon crawling yeah. stuff. Yeah, really needs a splash yeah, yeah, or something. Is there a release date for Persona Five in January or something? February something. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> uh, I think Persona Five is a bit of a is a bit of a departure even from the last two, which is which is quite good because I suppose if you did three like high school based ones, although I'm not sure. I think it is vaguely. Basically, in, in this one, it's got a weird plot about you being a a mysterious masked phantom thief, and then there's the thing with the the weird monsters again. I don't actually know that much about the plot. February the 14th it's coming out for the PS4 and PS3. Cool. But yeah, Persona 4 is very good, and if you still have a PS2 kicking about... It's, uh, or if you want to emulate it. Yeah, well, it's, it's on Vita as well. If you've got a Vita. Ah, yeah, yeah, there was Which the I, golden version. I'm really tempted to buy a Vita recently. It's kind of at that point where it's got some really good games on it, and it's going for quite cheap because it's kind of ended its life cycle, so... Yeah, uh, quietly. Uh, it's been taken out the back of the Yeah, so I, there's quite a few games I'd like to play, and I'd quite like to replay Persona. I'd quite like to have it as a handheld, and carry it around with me then. It'd be good for, like, if you're sort of travelling around a lot, like, uh, you know, going uh, in the airport or from plane to plane or something, just like a small handheld, you know, classic you can just d sink your teeth into with a really long length. Yeah, yeah. It's just qu I quite like... And it is one of my favourite games, so it'd be really nice to play again. There's a couple of the Shin Megami yeah. Tensei games that I really enjoy, actually. Quite like uh, Lucifer or Nocturne. That's another yeah. weird one. I've not played that one, but I've heard good things. Um, yeah, I tried to get into the the ones that are on the 3DS, the Digital Devil Summoner ones, but I just couldn't. Just didn't have the same appeal. It had if because they've got like an almost. Final Fantasy Tactics sort of overlay and then it goes into the regular yeah. sort of battles I just didn't see the point of the overlay it was just like, I'm doing just walking up to a person and initiating a turn based fight there's no point to this it just, yeah was that was that Devil Survivor or something like that? I can't uh, remember, it's weird something it, like that, or it might be Digital Devil Summoner or something yeah, something like that something and I just it's weird because there's like a port, DS ports of like 20 year old games and then there's DS games yeah, yeah and they're very similarly named. Yeah, no, they are. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I just didn't, think, didn't get in with the story either. I just didn't, couldn't, just didn't mesh. But other people seem to really like them. They're quite um, So, uh, to, to conclude, is there any other games uh, that everybody's excited for coming up this month or the next couple of months? Um, yeah, um, well, there's, there's one. I think it's out, it's out in November. Um, uh, what's the Deathwing? No, Space Hulk Deathwing. That's the one. Um, sort of like a Warhammer survival shooter. Oh yeah, that one looks quite good. Cool. Uh, and basically, you're angry men in lot <laughs> big suits of armor whose job it is to go and clean out a spaceship full of aliens. Excellent. <laughs> Sounds Very cool. violent janitorial work, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's no, a sort of, yeah, Left 4 Dead style, um, sort of, I think. That's interesting, because we don't see enough games that are like in that sort of Left 4 Dead style. It's a shame, that sort of... 
camaraderie. So that's the thing. I feel like I've played so many now. Like I've played Left 4 Dead, and I had a go at Vermintide, had a go at well, the Killing Floor games. Yeah, uh, those are the only two I could. Oh. I hadn't thought of Vermintide actually, but yeah, Left 4 Dead and, and Killing Floor, the only two that I can think of. But surprising that more things haven't cropped up with that sort. I of I don't style. know. I think it's a slightly like limited genre. Like I think it's, people would get would get bored of them very quickly if there were too many. Yeah, I suppose. It's just this non basically. I really I really enjoy them while I'm playing them, but then I I've never felt I know some people spend like hundreds of hours on like Left 4 Dead and Vermintide, but like after I've been through all the maps a few times and I've gone up the difficulty a bit, I just I just get a bit bored of them really. I mean I like them while I'm playing them but they, they don't keep me hooked. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Left 4 Dead was fun to get through each map, but <clears throat> Yeah, I agree with you, Gavin as well. Um one of the games I looking forward to, uh, you guys have probably heard of it, is uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. It's the um, uh-huh. Archer game where you basically capture massive dinosaurs and they're basically robotic. Yeah, it, it seems like it has a really intriguing story. And, um, from the trailers and stuff, I'm sort of a bit fascinated to find out more. So I think that drops in uh, March on the uh, PS4, or February on the PS4. So uh, It looks like, like a, a proper, like, massive, like, Fully realized Monster Hunter sort of game, and yeah, I love Monster it's Hunter a series. PS4 only, right? Uh, yes, at this right. point it's a PS4 exclusive. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think I remember seeing some video being like, "That looks really beautiful." So, yeah, maybe like a sort of flagship game for the, the console one. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of PS4 exclusive games, uh, I'm excited for The Last Guardian. Just, I don't know if it'll actually be good because it's been spent, you know, spent about two million years in development. <laughs> yeah. I, I could rant for hours about how good Shadow of the Colossus is, and I would, I think, viciously kill anyone who disagreed with me. <laughs> I think that's fair, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've never played Shadow of the Colossus, but I have heard of The Last Guardian purely as just a game that people want that's been in development. Yeah. I'm still sceptical I mean, it's going to come out, to be honest. I just don't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's been pushed back so many times. Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard anybody like say a bad word on Shadow of Colossus, and the graphics on Last Guardian look just absolutely amazing. Mm. I think it's more the tone yeah. I'm looking for in Last Guardian. Shadow of Colossus had this very unique sort of tone and atmosphere to it that I've never seen anything since. I quite that I'm hoping that Last Guardian's going to sort of capture like a little piece of that. Even if it's only a little piece, I'd be quite happy with it. So. Yeah, like the the team Ico style. Yeah. Like I I can't get enough of it. Anytime I finished, I think when I finished Ico and when I finished Side of the Closet, I was just like, I wish there was more of this. Yeah. But then it was it was good because it was like it was very self-contained. But I, I want to play Shadow of the Colossus again actually. I don't have my copy. I'm getting anymore. that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have a working PS2 anymore. So I I just recently ditched all my games because I was like, I'm never gonna. It just sits. They all just sit there in a in a box so just not a horror dream I, I think I was but I just like I don't have any space I might have to move flat at some point I have to carry it all with me moving flats is like the most traumatic experience especially when you've got to have like a million boxes so I'm like if I can get it digitally instead <laughs> that's much smaller space to hold it on it's the same game I might just get the collection or something <laughs> when it comes out on It'll come out on PS4 eventually, I'm sure. So. I mean, I've moved 26 times, I think, totally in my life so far. Like 27 when I moved to Toowoomba eventually in Australia in like a month or two. 
moving 26 times, you do not want to have a lot of stuff. Yeah, see, I've moved like five times and I'm <laughs> like sour about that. So. <laughs> 26, <laughs> 26. Yeah, so I really don't have a leg to stand on there, to be honest. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> right, um, the only thing I'm going to say I'm looking forward to is, is Pokemon, but I will talk about that oh, with yeah. Mike because I think he'd be mighty upset if I talked about it while I'm here. <laughs> so, a, a conversation <laughs> for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, the only the only RPG he gets along with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that so? One of the one of the main games, not like a new app. Or oh yeah, no, the <laughs> no, no <laughs> real Pokemon. Sun and Moon. Yeah, rather than Pokemon Go. <laughs> Which had its had its moment of, of enjoyment, Pokemon Go, and then Niantic <laughs> shot itself in the foot by just basically not getting their act together. <laughs> They're like, we're making millions, but we're still gonna just leave you with this shitty app that barely works. Yeah, because <laughs> I played it for a week, for a week, and then it just became very cynical about it. And all my friends were like, "It's awesome! It's awesome!" I'm like, "It's gonna fail." I, I think it was also the fact that uh, people in Australia almost got killed by cars on the highway <laughs> when they were trying to chase down the, uh, the Squirtle or whatever. Yeah, but that, that, that's their own fault, to be honest. You can't fit. You <laughs> can't help stupid. Was, uh, you really can't. <laughs> I, I mean, there were a couple of people, I think there was someone in the UK that got stabbed. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I think there was. There's somebody who found a dead body, yeah, wasn't people. there? So. All sorts of. Stuff. Oh, I remember hearing yeah. about people getting mugged. They'd put down like a lure, yes. and then yeah, if someone right, came right. over, they just <laughs> mug them. Yeah, it still has got like think about. good retention though. I think I read a thing on um, Survey Monkey recently. They have like still got excellent retention, and they're making like, two million a month from it or something. So yeah, well, I'm slightly annoyed about that because I because I wrote an article very shortly afterwards, being like, it's gonna fail, it's gonna fail everyone, and it hasn't. <laughs> still going. <laughs> I feel like it failed from like a hardcore perspective because there's a lot of people I think who got into it at the start mm. and played it for ages and ages and ages like every day mm. yeah. and then they, they petered out quickly because it's just fuck all to do but obviously it's a casual game so casual people don't play it that often but they play it over a long space of time yeah exactly I just I think some of the the reason I stopped playing it was when they didn't have the uh, the tracking system just wasn't working. I was like, I'm not going to wander around aimlessly. And then they, <laughs> and then they um, sent a cease and desist to the website that was like basically hacking them and showing you where they were. And I was like, well, I would have still gone on it if I could find out where the the geo dude was around me or something, <laughs> rather than like, <laughs> like it's like it's somewhere within three miles of you. Have fun. Three, three miles. Just run three miles in a Pass. circle and see if you can find it. <laughs> Pretty much, so yeah. I stopped. I stopped playing it because I had this vision when I heard of it. You know, wandering around like a fucking adventure, finding Pokemon, just being like, get in my balls, you wee bastards. Mm. But then <laughs> the reality was, my flatmate's really into it, and where he was. Yeah. And the reality of it was like, all right, so how do I how do I become a Pokemon legend? And it was basically come and sit on this beach in the freezing rain because there's three Pokestops near each other <laughs> and I was like this this doesn't match up with my, my what I want from no, this no it doesn't it doesn't match up with like <laughs> the image of you like going down through some like long grass battling some Pokemon <laughs> coming out victorious <laughs> taking on a gym leader and, uh, and getting a win in a badge it's just you miserable <laughs> it's on just, a you, just you in the rain without an umbrella under an umbrella with my phone plugged into a portable battery like <laughs> my, po- my fucking Ash Ketchum hat becoming really soggy 
<laughs> I was just I was so disappointed just because the I don't know the whole like appeal of the game purely came from people's hype about Pokemon like I think it was the Pokemon the, the, the Pokemon themselves in the game were kind of functionally bland yeah like, they were pretty you bad wanted, they like you wanted a specific Pokemon not because it was good in Pokemon Go but because you it was good in a Pokemon game or like you had you know your like, like I wanted a I wanted a Squirtle because that was my starting one. Or like people want, um, you know, like a Gyarados yeah, because dude. it's powerful in the in the game. But in Pokemon Go, it's just a bigger number. Like it's not different from. Yeah, I feel like it kind of missed out on one of the things about Pokemon, which is you get your wee Pokemon pal, and you take him with you, and you go on adventures, and you you have him beat up a bunch of other Pokemon, and it becomes stronger. But in reality, in Pokemon Go, you were just wandering around, just like, just being like, "All right, okay, I'm chucking you in the bin. I've got a new one, yeah. and so on." It's like the, yeah, like, it was very, it was, it was so, it was very mercenary. It's just like, yeah, sorry, mate, <laughs> <laughs> you're, only, you're only a twenty. <laughs> the, the absolute brutality of magical animal fighting. It's either so, um, you're gonna feed it a load of candy, and it's gonna get strong from that, or it's just going in the bin. Those are the two options from finding yeah. a thing in Pokemon Go. You send it to like the professor's <laughs> soylent green factory to be processed <laughs> into candy like that you get back. <laughs> just, just like <laughs> feed it. Just fatten them up like sort of like a four o'clock ducks. Just a feeding tube down the down the throat. <laughs> just eat the candy. Yeah. <laughs> eat that candy, brother. Because I know that they've added the buddy feature, which lets you pick a Pokemon that you can carry around with you, and it kind of gets candy as it as you walk around more. Um, yeah. Which is nice yeah, I but I was waiting for them to add like proper like one like person versus person like like battles and stuff like that and trading and it's quite a lot of stuff that you'd think that they would have moved a bit quicker on it's been out for nearly what like five months or something now came out what July or something been a while at least like long enough that you'd think they're making enough money to hire enough people to make it better faster did anyone play yeah. Niantic's previous game I no, but briefly I did. I, yeah, I had a go, and I was like, "This is terrible." It was very confusing, <laughs> and um, looked awful. <laughs> yeah, that's the. I loved the idea far more than I loved the game itself. Yeah, it was like awesome, a, a, an augmented reality game that <clears throat> is played in the real world, and you have to. I was like, "That's so cool!" Mm. And then I played it. I'm like, "Oh no, I'm just a guy standing next to a statue, trying to capture the statue." And that would be back before that was normal behaviour with <laughs> yeah, Pokemon. Yeah. Just like some weirdo with a phone. <laughs> and then, yeah, and that's the thing, it wasn't even Pokemon, it was just like, you have captured the statue for Team Red. <laughs> yeah, it was quite bland, and it it was, it almost looked a bit like, um, it's trying to be a bit like sci-fi, but it just looked Yeah, it was sort of like sci-fi, like sort of like hacker. Yeah, content. it was like sending your missiles at this place. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I think uh, I had like one day wandering around with it and then, and then just yeah, put it away. I think I had a similar thing. Went to Leeds one time and thought, oh, I'll take him, I'll download this thing, have a go. No, never again. <laughs> it's just not worth it. What was it called again? Because I can't uh, remember. It was, I'm, I'm trying to Google it now, it was Niantic Projects. I can't remember. Um, We're very well prepared it, it on the Gamer Time podcast. Always. It's the power of Google. What was it called? It was a really odd name as well. Ingress. Ah, uh, yeah, there you go. Like, Ingress. Tells okay. you nothing about the game. 
No, no it doesn't. But it is intriguing, the title. Seek your ingress. What the hell is that? I'll try it. Sorry to um break up an excellent conversation about uh, funny Pokemon, but I think we're running slightly over it's time. I was going to say, we've gone on a, a so, weird um, tangent at the end about... Who cares? But everyone everyone loves listening to yeah. us. <laughs> Does anybody um, want to put some things in the in the trash bin or whatever we're calling it? Oh no, we'll we'll oh, the, do the, the we'll the do the dungeon yeah. next time because we're we're already about ten minutes over. So, uh, right, next right, viewers, yeah, listeners, listeners, readers, whatever they're called, you, you, yeah. you know that next time there's going to be something good. So you're going to come back. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. If that sounds like a threat, it's because it is. <laughs> <laughs> Just beat them over the head until they come back. I always try to make it sound enticing, not <laughs> like the. <laughs> <laughs> not coercive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you see, when you downloaded this podcast, if you've seen Shut Up and Dance, Black Mirror, then you know what will happen. <laughs> that will not happen. <laughs> it's all going to be okay. Please come back next week. <laughs> or whatever we do another one. Uh, right, but I'm going to think that's going to tie it up. Um, thank you for listening to the Game of Time podcast. Uh, you... If you've listened to this randomly, not on our website, you can find us at gamertime.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at gamertime.co... No, not .co.uk. Ah, at gamertime.uk. There we go. Well done. Uh, you can follow me personally at NevadaHM on Twitter and you guys, do you have a thing people could find you on? Yeah. You can follow me at Gavin underscore GTUK. I have no followers, no real ones. They're all porn bots. <laughs> but I think that's fine. <laughs> Uh, I'm at uh, underscore scruffy looking and I think uh, I'm even more popular with the porn bots um, uh, I'm just uh, my name uh, Harrison no underscore the one different person in the group and uh, I have no followers but I would like some followers so please subscribe did you really get just at Harrison I think so yeah that, that's, that's impressive, impressive. I don't know why you guys have so many porn bots. I don't think I've got any. They, what have they, you been like, googling? They on, they, or like searching on they Twitter? On to like one post that I made about two years ago. Uh, is it and so every time it? I sign into Twitter, it's like <laughs> this post got like so it's now got like forty likes, just because it keeps getting liked. <laughs> what did That's you? Pretty impressive, just, <laughs> what was the what was the post though? Um, it was actually no, it was I think it was it was this year. It was when Civil War came out, and I think I just posted a photo of. You know the scene where they're like that screenshot of them all running towards each other. Yeah, where the they're airport. fighting each other. Yeah. And then I just posted it, and then I just put the, like the Civil War comic cover underneath. Right. Oh, like literally a side by side, and then I just put the caption uh, when you're trying to have a civil war, but all your friends are someone else's legal property. <laughs> That's actually so clever, man. Just just because it was like the comic is loads and loads of people and there's just no one in the there's no one in Civil War no it's like 5 vs 5 without the 20 vs 20 and and at some point the the AI masterminds <laughs> they were like this, the, the this. rule over the internet <laughs> they thought. and they've latched onto it and now <laughs> they've got you it's, it's, re- it's, it's just it's growing re- it's, re- it's reaching critical mass because the, the, <laughs> as the more, more the more AIs like it then the more it's appealing for AIs to like <laughs> And so at some point it will become a singularity. <laughs> see, I'm gonna have to follow you now just to find the see this like massive block of porn bots on your followers <laughs> list. No, no. What's funny is that uh, is that George is. Well, uh, some of them don't even follow me. They just like the thing. It's like 
No, George's article will go from like 40 likes to like 200 in less than a day. <laughs> gonna look back in all of his posts and they're all gonna have like cock and penis written in them <laughs> in places. They're like, well, that'll be why, won't it, George? <laughs> Ten retweets from browsers. <laughs> It's just it's just all of the keywords that I'm put, that I'm writing in white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can't actually see them, but the bots know they're there. <laughs> right. Anyway, let's let's properly finish now. <laughs> after that, um, yeah. Thank you for listening again, and we'll catch you later. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.